The sheet that I passed out will uh, provide some scripture references of everything, everything that we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, as we were singing those songs, Jason, um, because I know what I'm going to speak on this morning, <laughs> certain, certain lines would just kind of resonate within me um, about the name of Jesus. Uh, we sang Jesus, there's something about that, or name above all names, a couple of weeks ago. And I've been thinking about it. And then um, last Sunday, I was speaking to Sean and Jan about, um, we were singing about the lamb who was slain last Sunday. And um, it became evident that that was a new thought to think about the lamb in regards to Jesus Christ. So I thought, okay, I'm going to take the song, Jesus, name above all names, and we're going to go through it. Because it's just one name or title of Christ after another. Um, and then I was thinking as we were singing, filled with wonder, awestruck wonder at the mention of your name. That's what I want my life to be like. Did y'all get these sheets? I want my life to be like when I hear the name of Jesus. It's not a curse word. Or it's not just an afterthought, but it's, it will fill my heart with wonder about who this really is. I mean, names, names are given because they help us to identify the person. And it's a very important aspect of, uh, of, of any person at all. So, um, let's begin with a word of prayer. Jesus, fill our heart with wonder at the mention of your name. Continually. And Lord, sometimes people will, can get bored of something because they think they know everything there is to know. But Lord, with you, there will always be new aspects of your glory that would fill our hearts with wonder. So Lord, let us not be afraid to, to press into you and to obey what your word says. And Lord, to feed our minds and our souls with what you have spoken. Lord, may we rejoice in the name of Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. So Nada Hearn, a 40-something-year-old wife, mother, in Palmerston, North New Zealand, was doing her ordinary housework, her chores, in 1974. But she was thinking about Jesus and not about the laundry. She says, While I was doing the family washing, the Lord gave me the first line of a song. I began singing. And sang the whole song just as you hear it today. I just opened my mouth and all of the words came out. The melody and everything. I just sang it. There's more to it than that. As a child, she attended a Methodist church where she learned about Jesus. And later, being interested in the many names of Jesus, the names and their meanings, she started gathering a list of these names and titles. And she kept it on the windowsill of her wash house where she could see it as she worked. So she had done some preparatory work. She had studied the names and she had written them down and she had placed them where she could see them. And so she was continually feeding her, her soul with the names of Christ and what they meant. She continues, I left the wash house and went down to the sitting room and worked the song out of music paper. Then I said, Lord, is that okay? Is it all right like that? 
Yes, it was all right. I then went back to the washing. It was just that simple. It was straight out led from the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. I can't say I thought about this or I thought about that. I just started by singing Jesus name above all names. And it carried on all by itself. The spirit impressed on me that it was to be sung as a love song. It's all about him. You should sing it softly, slowly and reverently. This is what he wanted. Nada had been faithful to study her Lord and to hide these words in her heart. So that when things were ready in her mind and soul, the spirit brought forth this new song of praise. It wasn't that there was no fire in the fireplace. The wood was there ready for the spirit to bring life to it. May so it be so with us. Um, so on the sheet of paper there, you've got hopefully essentially every reference we're going to be looking at today because we're going to cover a lot of scripture because the song comes from scripture. It's not made up things. It comes out of the scripture. Um, and there's one verse I wanted to look at first, and that's the first Corinthians two, one and two. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I, de- I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I think if I was going to have a verse for a, a verse of the year with me, it's going to be this verse. Um, there's nothing I really want to know more than Jesus Christ this year. Um, who he is, what he's done. So today I want to explore the names of Jesus found in this song. This song does not include every name in the Bible for Jesus. It does not include every title. But there's a lot here to work with. Um, And I pray that as we go through the names, that it would build our hope in Christ. Because each one of these names gives a different aspect to the work that God has done for us and wants to do in us and will do for us in the future. Every one of these names is, a, is another window into the glory of Jesus Christ. And we need to think about it in that way and, and receive it that way. So first verse, where do we start? Jesus. This is a name given to Mary by the angel Gabriel. In Luke 1, 31-33, And behold, you, shall, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. Now this is an angel speaking to Mary. This is what Jesus, name of this because this is what's going to happen. And then if that wasn't enough, an angel spoke and a confirming word to Joseph. In Matthew 1.21, she, meaning his betrothed wife Mary, will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's the meaning of the name Jesus. Salvation, Jehovah saves. So God spoke through an angel to Mary, and he spoke through an angel to Joseph, so they could both have that revelation from God. Name above all names. God elevated and exalted Jesus' name. If you look at Philippians 2, 9 through 11, 
Therefore God highly, also highly exalted him and gave to him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Acts 4.12 reminds us, there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Beautiful Savior. You know, the hope for a Savior is expressed many, many, many times in Scripture. My particular favorite one is in the announcement, of, again, by the angels to the shepherds in Luke 2.11. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He will save the people from their sins. Beautiful Savior. And the word beautiful, is Jesus beautiful? Is he beautiful? Men may have a hard time saying that about another, another man, how it might be interpreted these days. Psalm 27, 4. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all my days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Every aspect of Jesus is per perfect and beautiful and fragrant. When we sing beautiful Savior, that's not a throwaway adjective and an undefined noun. These are, these, are, these are things that really mean something, beautiful Savior. And gracious Lord, the next line, Hebrews 1, 3, the first part, A. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Anything that can uphold the universe and sustain everything in the universe is pretty glorious. And 1 Corinthians 2, 8 says, None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So he's, he's called the Lord of glory. But it's not only that Jesus is Lord and that he is glorious, but it means that every aspect of his nature and every act of his leadership is glorious. His knowledge is glorious, wouldn't you agree? His wisdom is glorious, his power, his decrees, his grace, his justice, his mercy. He is altogether glorious. Every dimension and characteristics of Christ is glorious. And his glory is revealed not only in his person, but in his work. To create us, to save us, to forgive us, to pray for us, to restore us, to lead us, to dwell in us, to prepare a place for us. Only a few people saw Jesus' glory at the transfiguration. A few more saw it at the resurrection. But when he returns, when he returns, it will be, the word says this, for as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. He's, the Bible says in Luke 24 that Jesus returns in a cloud of power and great glory. Everybody will see the glory of Jesus when he returns. Emmanuel, Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive... And bear a son. Now that's a pretty powerful sign. That's a pretty powerful sign. And you shall call his name Emmanuel. Which means the next line. God with us. 
Emmanuel is translated, and, and it's confirmed in Matthew one twenty three, which says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted, God with us, dwelling in us. Jason, when we sang, it's your breath in my lungs, I've thought about that in the sense of, well, this, all this air is God's air, and I'm breathing it. But then I looked in the, the last part of, um, of the Gospel of John, where Jesus... Um, it says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So this breath that we breathe is not just God's air. This is this breath is life. It's God's breath. When he breathed on them, they received God's life in a way that the world cannot give. Blessed Redeemer. Okay, a redeem, what's a redeemer? A redeemer is one who rescues a, somebody held captive, right? A redeemer rescues a captive. And they, they rescue them either by brave acts of courage or they rescue them by paying great ransoms. Or there might be some other way. But Jesus did both these things. He, he took great acts of courage for Jesus to do what he did. But he also paid a great price because he gave his life for us. He, he, he did both of these things by taking our place on the cross and bearing the punishment that we alone deserved of the full wrath of God against sin. And he brought us into this new life of God's forgiveness. This Redeemer is first introduced in Ruth 4, 14 in the Old Testament. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a Redeemer and may his name be renowned in Israel. Of course, she was in the lineage. Actually, yeah, her, her, her daughter-in-law, Ruth, was in the actual lineage of Christ. And then in Luke 168, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. And then in Mark 10, For even the Son of Man came not to serve, but to serve, not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Paul in Colossians 1.14 says, Jesus is the one in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sin. So this Redeemer is the one who takes away our sin, pays the ransom required to free us. And the word bless, what does it mean to bless? God bless you. What are you saying? What does it mean to bless? Bestow great favor. Bestow great favor. To consecrate to someone. It means to invoke greatness. Or to, to give invoke goodness upon them, like favor, like, like Greg is answering here. And it means to do it not just with your lips, but with your heart. I mean, you are conveying blessing to this person. Psalm 113.2 says, Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forever. <laughs> Psalm 103.22, Bless the Lord, O my soul. So you can, the mind is speaking to the soul. Bless God. Invoke great favor upon the Lord. Blessing with the mouth without the soul would be hypocrisy. When we sing Blessed Redeemer, let's do it with a full heart of gratitude. Because without that, it'd be hypocrisy. Jesus warned us, warned us of that in Matthew fifteen eight when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Blessed Redeemer. 
Living Word. End of the first verse here. As both the Word and the God-man, Jesus was both messenger and message. He had the message of God. He was the message of God. And he was the messenger of the message. He was the ultimate living revelation of God to all mankind. The living Word. John 1 Verses 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. If we really want to know who God is, we see Him in the face of Jesus Christ. And if we really want to know Jesus, And we want to know how he wants us to live. And we want to see how great is his gift of grace or how secure our future is in him. We can feed our minds and spirits the living word, the Bible. Jesus came to reveal the God, the Father. The Bible was given to reveal Jesus. We have the Bible today to understand Jesus, the living word. And then, of course, I can't leave out Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than two, any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints <coughs> and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and attentions of the heart. You know, we can read the living word, but honestly what's really happening when we read the Bible is, is that it's reading us. It's reading and sh- it's telling us what is in our heart. Because when we, we, we rise up against what the Bible says, we know that it's, it's bringing some conviction, right? What's going on? Jesus is that living word. All right, we're going too fast. <laughs> uh, verse verse 2. <coughs> Any one of these, I could take the whole message, right? So I'm just trying to cover a lot of ground here. So when we sing a song that says, I am, what are we really saying? Well, it's taken from... Um, it's taken from... Exodus, where God is revealing himself to Moses at the burning bush. But I am, Jesus also used this phrase in John 8, 58. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. (coughs) Before Abraham was, I am. It's a bit of a difficult passage because of the verb tenses. He's saying before this man in the past was, before he ever existed, He didn't say, I was. He says, I am. So he kind of sets himself outside of the domain of time to claim uh, equality with God. (coughs) Jesus was not created. He is not dependent on anything. But he claimed, Jesus claimed to be the very self-existent God who revealed himself to Abraham and to Moses. And he he further claims, I am, in seven more expressions in the Gospel of John. And each of these expressions... He reveals a way of his saving power to those who believe and trust him. When we sing, I am, um, it kinda, it's kind of outside the domain of time. It's outside of the domain of creation. We're appealing to the self-existent God. So it's not just, I am light of the Gentiles. It's, I am. <laughs> then, light of the Gentiles is a separate, it's a different phrase. It's taken from Luke 32, Luke 2.32. 
a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Uh, this is um, from Zechariah. A revelation that his salvation was not only for the Jews. So it doesn't say light for the Jews. It says light for the Gentiles. So this light of salvation is for every tribe and nation and language on the earth. Isaiah 49, 6 adds, um, he says, and he's, he's, he's speaking this prophetically over Jesus. He says, you will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. So the, the, the prophecy is this Messiah is going to do more than just restore Israel. I will make you a light to the Gentiles and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth, to every nation, to every language, to every tribe. He's going to do this. And then this is confirmed in Revelation 7, 9. He says, after this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. It's going to happen, folks. Every nation to which you go to proclaim the word of God will have some people there represented in heaven. Every nation. He is. I am. He is. Light of the Gentiles. Lord God Almighty. Uh, this sounds like a, it could be a kind of a, a phrase to set aside, but really a Lord is a leader who rules, Right? He's a Lord. He, he rules over. He's a leader. It's, it's, he's the executor of this thing. God is the eternal sovereign. So you've got a leader who rules eternally. Sovereign power. Almighty has all power and all authority. So these three words together, Lord God Almighty, is a pretty powerful construction of a name. But it's taken out of Revelation eleven seventeen, and maybe some other places too. Saying, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty. And listen, who is and who was. For you have taken your great power and begun to reign. You have begun to reign. Prince of Peace. Well, Jesus is our peace. And it's taken from Isaiah 9, 6, 6. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. See, some of these names aren't in there. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Everybody wants peace. Jesus is the place of peace. El Shaddai. Okay, so now this is a Hebrew word, and it sort of echoes back what we just did with God Almighty, or Mighty One, or... One who is more than enough. <laughs> one who is sufficient. So I was looking at that song too. El Shaddai is the one who is sufficient. And the idea here is that God is the only one able to create and sustain life. All of life. You know, I just saw this report that these scientists um, had decided to they had never done this before. Underneath the ice caps in Antarctica, bottom of the earth, underneath the ice caps that extend out from the land, they had never examined the seabed, the floor of this ocean. So this is, never gets any sunlight. Um, it's probably 32.1 degrees cold, intense pressure. 
And they explored it with a submarine, and they said they couldn't believe the amount of life on the ocean floor underneath the ice shelf off the coast of Antarctica. They just couldn't believe all these different types of creatures down there. And, and God creates and sustains life everywhere on the earth, and it appears to be and nowhere else. He could. But in this world, he's revealed life on earth. Genesis 17, 1. And get this. Now, when Abram was 99 years old and still not a father of, uh, of the seed of promise, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Of course, this is when he promised him a son. God is sufficient. So God is sufficient is a translation of El Shaddai. And we read 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. Is that going to be your watchword this year? God is sufficient, no matter what the trial is. You know, we're waiting for uh, a new grandson to be born. Marcy's still not delivered yet. But God is sufficient for her and, uh, and Matthew. We pray that that will come in God's perfect timing. Shepherd of souls. 1 Peter 2.25 is where this comes from. For you were strained like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. What does a shepherd of souls do? What would a shepherd do? Protect? God? Lead to green pastures? Lead to streams of, of water? Defend them from evil? A shepherd of souls watches and cares for us. When we sing shepherd of souls, we're saying Jesus is going to watch and care for me. He watches over and cares for me. King of Kings. Well, we've, we've heard this a lot. <laughs> king of kings supplying that there's many kings but there's one big king one ruler over all of them actually there's really only one king and he rules forever he lives forever he rules forever and this is taken from first timothy 6 14 through 16 and listen listen carefully to the words that paul writes here until the appearing of our lord jesus christ which he will display at the proper time he who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. And then Revelation nineteen sixteen, And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. These are not made up names or terms. This is a revelation of who Jesus is. Third verse. Okay. Lily of the valley. It, it comes from Song of Solomon 2 verse 1, which says, I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. Beautiful of appearance. Fragrant to the believer. The Lord is altogether desirable. Now, some modern day scholars hesitate to endorse this as referring to Jesus. But for the sake of the song, let's look at Hosea 14, 6. 
It says, His fruits will shout, will sprout, and His beauty will be like the olive tree, and His fragrance like the cedars of Lebanon. And Ephesians 5, 2, which says, Live a life of love, just as Jesus loved us and gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. The lily of the valley represents the beauty and the fragrance of Jesus. Son of David. Okay, this is a key key Old Testament prophecy uh, that Jesus would be the son of David. He would become as, that there would be the Messiah. They didn't know his name would be Jesus, but there would be this one that would come. That's referred to in, in Matthew 1, 1. The record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then even the beggars knew this. In Luke 18, 38. And he cried out. This is the blind man, blind Bartimaeus. He says, and he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. This whole lineage of David, that, that David, King David would have a heir that would rule forever, was this promise that God had made. And Jesus is the son of David. The Rose of Sharon, I refer back to the previous, on the lily of the valley. Now the Rose of Sharon was a, a common uh, plant in that va- the, the, the valley of Sharon, which is, has a new name now, but it, it was a common plant and, had a, and they were everywhere. Uh, so it was, it was propagated wide and far. Everybody could see the rose of Sharon. The Alpha and the Omega. Okay, so these are the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. And this was written in Greek. And they signify that Jesus' rule and reign continues in all dimensions from the first to the last from the beginning to the end. It's from Revelation 1.8, which says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who was, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. When we sing the Alpha and Omega, we are saying, Jesus' rule and reign carries over every dimension of our existence and our hoped to be future existence. Seed of Jesse, another promise of Redeemer. <coughs> it's a combination of a couple of things. In Genesis 3.15, it's the first mention of seed in the sense of redemption. Uh, I will put enmity between you and the woman. He's, God is speaking to the, um, actually speaking to the serpent. I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. And that the aspect of, of the seed or even root as through Jesse is seen several times, but the one I'll point out is, is Romans fifteen twelve. And I, again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, <coughs> even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, and him will the Gentiles hope. Jesse, of course, is the father of David. Um, and so again, it's through this line, this 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 defined genealogy of people that God refers to over and over again because his promise was to Abraham and then the, and then this, the children of faith all the way through. Morning star. Well, Jesus, Jesus claimed for himself. <coughs> he makes it clear in Revelation twenty two sixteen when he says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. He is the one. The morning star comes up early in the morning. You can see it crystal clear. Fourth verse. 
Now, this is a, this is a really cool one. Well, they're all they're all good, but Jesus, our intercessor. Hebrews seven twenty five says, therefore he is able. Therefore he is able once and forever, once and forever, to save those who come to him, to come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. This is telling us that Jesus lives to pray for us. He's praying for you right this minute. Most likely. And in 1 John 2, 1, he says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. An advocate. One who, who, who represents us before God the Father. That's Jesus our intercessor. But what, what is he praying for you? Could, you? could you quote what Jesus is praying for you? What sort of things does he want for your life? What does he want for you? Well, I looked at, at John 17 and kind of pulled out some of these aspects of his prayer. This is what he's saying. And I don't have all of these verses down here. Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. John 17, 11b. Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are. So Jesus is praying that we would be one. We would be one. And then in 13b. So that they may have my joy made full in themselves. So Jesus wants you to be filled with his joy. That's what he's praying. <coughs> that you be one with the rest of us and that you would be filled with his joy. And then in 15b, he says, uh, keep them from the evil one. So a good shepherd of our souls, he's saying, protect them from the evil one. And in 17a, he says, sanctify them with the truth. <coughs> he says, let his truth wipe away everything in our lives that's not of not truth. All the hypocrisy, all of the sin, all of, all of the doubt. He's praying for these things. And then he says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone. So he's talking about his disciples. But for those also who believe in me through their word, so that they all may be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. So it's not only for those original disciples, but for everybody who's believed what the disciples have said through the Gospels, through the Scriptures. That we might be one, that we might become one so that the world would know that God sent Jesus the Son. So part of what Jesus is praying for us is that we would so demonstrate the love of God and the unity of the Spirit that it would be a witness to the world. That's what he's praying for. Jesus, our intercessor, he's praying that these things would come true in our lives. He prays that we all together will be one with him and in him. Promise Messiah. Okay, so there's a couple ways to think about promise Messiah. Was it Jesus the first time he came? Or is it Jesus when the second time he comes? Yes. 
<laughs> exactly. I want you, when we sing the song, I want you to think both things. I want you to think not only the one who came to fulfill the ancient promises, like in Micah 5 2, but as for you, Bethlehem, Epathra, Pathrata, seeming insignificant among the clans of Judah, from you a king will emerge who will rule over Israel on my behalf, ones whose origins are in the distant past. And John four twenty five, the woman said to him, I know Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. So it's not only the one who came to fulfill ancient promises, but it's also the one who will fulfill the promises that we have for the future. John 14, 2 through 3 says, my father's house, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you and I will go and prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you to myself Again, that where I am, there you may be also. There's something in the heart of Jesus that wants you to be with him. And everything Jesus has done has been to draw you to himself. When we sing promised Messiah, it's that he came the first time to demonstrate these things, but he's promised to come again. His promises will not fail. Bread of life. This is is one of these I am statements. In John 6.35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He follows this immediately by the giver of living water. Well, so if you're hungry, you come to Christ. Thirsty, come to Christ. The giver of living water. John 4.10 says, Jesus answered (coughs) If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And John 7, 37, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. Flowing from his heart, this living water, the spirit flows from the heart of Christ (coughs) to all who receive him. When we sing giver of living water, don't think of somebody getting you a cup of cold water and hand it to you. It's from the heart of Christ, the living spirit of God flows from his heart into you. The giver of living water. Which immediately takes us to what? Mighty baptizer. Mighty baptizer. Jesus is the one who is head of the church of heaven and of earth, has all authority to fill us with the Holy Spirit. It's not that he's begging the Father for permission to do this. It's not that he's, he's gotten some sort of bargain deal with, with, with God the Father to enable him to... He has all the authority and all the power to do this. And of course, the Holy Spirit is willing to inhabit these temples because we were made in the image of God. The Holy Spirit comes in, begins to do his work, to cleanse us and purify us, to give us courage and strength to be his witness. The mighty baptizer, Matthew 3, 11, John the Baptist is saying, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, 
whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, I will baptize you. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Mighty baptizer, the one who from his heart comes the Spirit into us. Son of God, if we're going to hold on to one truth about the name of Christ, let's hold on to this one. (coughs) He is the Son of God. You ask all the religions around the world, they all deny Jesus is the Son of God except for Christianity. It's the hinge on which a lot of belief, belief hangs. This is the key truth. 1 John 5.20 says, And we know that the Son of God has come, and He has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we, we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God, and He is eternal life. See, they're, they're, John is really making the connection. If you know Jesus, then you know the Father because they are one, the Son of God. Let's hold on to this truth. Now, I have one last verse I wanted to mention, and that's Revelation 19. Because here we have, we've studied all these different dimensions of Christ's name and his titles and what they mean to us. But but we've not exhausted this yet. (laughs) Revelation 19, 11 through 13. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The the one (coughs) sitting on it is called faithful and true. So you could say faithful and true is another name for Christ because we we know that Christ is the one sitting on this white horse. His name is called faithful and true. So that's the first name. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written on it that no one knows but himself. So he's called faithful and true. But he has a name written that no one knows but himself. Jesus has a name we don't know yet. But then it goes on. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And and the name by which he is called is the word of God. So he's called faithful and true. He's called the word of God. And he has a name that's written down, but we don't know what it is yet. Jesus will forever be able to, it, to, to, to cause you to be in awe and wonder of who he is. If you've been walking with Christ for 50 years or five days, it doesn't matter. There's more of Christ this year for you. And every aspect of the names we've looked at is, is a way that Christ wants to minister to us. And he wants to minister through us. And he wants to touch us. Have you, have you this morning, just now, have you learned a, a new name or a new dimension of one of these names that maybe you've not thought about before? A new way of thinking about your Lord. Or maybe the Spirit is, uh, is saying, you know, can you, can you really, can you trust me to be all of these things for you? Is God really sufficient? Is he more than enough? For each one of us. Now I, I pray that this year. Um, it'd be about Christ. With us. It'd be about him. It would be all about him.
You know, it's not about a denomination. It's not about a particular organization. It's not about any of these other things. We, we need Jesus Christ. He is the Savior. He is the Blessed Redeemer. He's the living Messiah. He's the Son of God. He's the King of Kings. He's our great intercessor. Uh, I, want, I just want us to cling to Him. And if you would, I'd like for us to join and sing the song. Uh, you can use this sheet to sing from. Or I think it's on page 26, but Jason and I are both going to sing it. So uh, give us a second here. Before we sing, let me just ask, does, does anybody have questions about what we're we talked about. I hope this has been helpful to some degree. It's great. I, I, I was just clarifying to them. This is this is actually a song. Yeah. And we're gonna sing it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's, this woman. And it's, and it's full of scripture. Yeah. This woman had been studying the Bible and made a list of names for Christ and kept it on her shelf so she could see it. And one day during the wash, the song came to her. And we're gonna we're gonna echo her melody. And your words here today. New Zealand is on the other side of the world. <laughs> so it's come a long way. Thank you, Jesus.